Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. To find information about the bridge, including service times and directions, check out thebridgeportage.org. We hope the following message inspires you to be one, make one. All right, my friends. Well, I'm so excited to be taking the next step in our Ten Commandments series with you. Uh, this has been amazingly well received in our Vicksburg campus. Uh, Joel's down there teaching the same content that I am today. And uh, did you bring your binders with you? I already heard several people clicking them. Uh, love to see people bring their binders. Hopefully, that's useful for you. We also made message notes for today. If you didn't get one of those, there's always a stand up and grab one. Balcony people, they're on the tables off to the side. Uh, love to have you continue to dig deeply with us in the Ten Commandments series. And quite frankly, for some of you, this is like a review of something that you've studied a long time ago. Uh, and maybe it's been refreshing. Maybe you're looking at it with new perspective. Uh, for some of you, you've actually never studied the Ten Commandments. And uh, we're spending these ten weeks to try to do just a deep dive and extract what I think is really important. We want to hear God's word. We want to hear God's law. We want to hear God's command. And we don't shy away from that around here. And for some of you from a a church background and a faith background, hopefully that sounds good to you. But I hope even those of you who are kind of new to faith, there is a moment where you realize the high call, the high standard, the high demand of being a follower of Jesus. And uh, part of why we want to offer you even this teaching on Ten Commandments is to push Uh, the limits a little bit. And we're definitely going to do that today. So today I get to teach uh, the third commandment. Uh, We've saved our worship time for the end because it relates directly to what we're going to learn in the third commandment. And if you're willing to, would you please stand? I'd like to invite people to stand if you're willing and able uh, to stand with me. And uh, we're going to just read these first seven verses of the Ten Commandments and then just take a moment to, to reflect. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heaven or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I laid the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected, even children to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And here's command number three, what we'll focus on today. You must not misuse The name of the Lord your God, the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Let that just soak in for a moment. Holy God of heaven, may we receive your instruction today. May we receive your command today. And may we receive your demand today. As part of our effort to humble ourselves and yield our own selves from typically being on the throne of our lives, today we choose again to hear the word of the Lord and respond and obey. May this reading, may this teaching prove to be beneficial in changing of our hearts and our lives today. In your holy name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, on the top of your message notes and on the screen, I asked just an interesting question, the cultural importance of names. A lot of you in this room and watching it online were named after a grandpa or an aunt or somebody that was really significant in your family's life. And we do that a lot, not nearly as much as we used to. Old Testament times, uh, names were much more significant and had much more importance. The truth is, in our cultural reality, people choose names kind of by what everybody else does. Here's a list of the top 10 names of Southwest Michigan boys and girls uh, names. Some of you are giggling because you named your kid one of those names, and the reason those names are there is because you named your kids one of those names. Nothing to do with meaning or significance. You just like the name. Why is the name Jeff not on that list? (laughs) Why is the name Ponzi not on that list? You want to know why? Because in the 1920s, this guy right here built thousands of people out of so much money in a postage scam uh, that he did around. It's called the Ponzi scheme. We all now know that because that guy ruined that name forever. There's a few people who use their names well, though. And if I say Teresa, Mother Teresa, or if I say Billy, Billy Graham, those are people who lived into their name, and their name became something important, a reputation, uh, an identity, uh, a character. And names become really important when you think about the character that's associated with that name. There's a lot of brands in our culture, uh, Nike, Tesla, Apple. I chose not to put their logos on there. You want to know why? Because you know what their logos look like. You know who their superstars are. You know what their products are supposed to be. Because each of those companies have spent billions of dollars trying to get their name to have a reputation in our culture. Names, branding, all very important. And here's what I'm here to tell you. God cares about his name. God cares about his brand. And God cares deeply about what people think about him when they watch you and me. And what we're going to talk about today in this third command is absolutely significant. Listen to how clearly God says this. Exodus 20, verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God, the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Right off the bat, have any of you misused his name? And I hope there's even a holy sense of, whoa, I better think about this personally. And if you didn't use in this translation, if you bust out the King James, you definitely will. Listen to this. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless they that taketh his name in vain. I just like that. That sounds better. That's stronger. Leviticus 24, a little later in the Old Testament, raises the stakes a little bit more. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. I don't recommend that. I don't think we should do that. But as a community, not of Israelites, but of Christians, there's a message in there for us about how high we need to value and honor God's name. Hey, anytime you study the Bible, use the CIA method, context, interpretation, application. We've taught that so many times, especially in something like this. What's the context? Do you know that God first gave these decrees about his name 
when his name was just coming on the scene. The Israelite people are just getting out of Egypt, and he is a brand new god in the Canaanite area. The Egyptians all had their gods. Everybody knew them. The Canaanite people all had their gods. Everybody knew them. But who is this new god of these Hebrew people, these Israelites, these slaves that are coming out of Egypt? And literally, God is trying to establish his brand and his name among the nations. And so you can hear some of the intensity in that. I'm going to use the word, thou shalt not. And for this first part of this message, I'd love to have your spiritual ears listen up a little bit. Because I think there's some pretty important thou shalt nots that everybody in this room and watching online would do well to listen to. This isn't an optional, oh, if you're... This is one you should probably listen to. And I'm going to unpack four specific thou shalt nots from Scripture. The first one is straight out of the translations we just read. Thou shalt not misuse God's name, take God's name in vain, or blaspheme his holy name. What, what is that referring to? What, what is that getting at? And misusing God's name should be really obvious. OMG. Oh my. When people say that, they're not saying, oh my God, I need you. They're using God's name in a very not specific or intentional or fitting way. And I would challenge you that the OMG on your text, or certainly the spoken out loud version of that, is inappropriate for Jesus' followers. You may disagree with me. Oh, Jeff, that's just funny. That's just cute. Everybody does it. Mm. Thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord. And if that isn't clear, what is clear is using the holy name of God of heaven as a swear word. And folks, I know a lot of us in this room, we've, we've crossed this line. So I don't mean to be critical or judgmental, but I like to be critical and judgmental a little bit. No way should you and I be using God's holy name as a swear word. When people say, oh, gee, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it out loud in this room. When they use Jesus Christ as a swear word, oh no. When they, when they put the holy name of God in a compound sentence as a swear word, there is something just so unacceptable about that. I go to our greenhouse a lot, some of the greenhouse people around me and that kind of stuff, and all of a sudden somebody will burst out one of those very derogatory, incredibly demeaning things. And all of a sudden they'll look at me and they go, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm like, hey, it's not me you need to be sorry for. It, it's, it's, it's him. And then I say to them, but yeah, you're right. When you use the name of the holy God I worship in that kind of way, that offends me and that bothers me. Please don't do that again. And I know you and I face that difficult thing of how do we respond in our culture when people use God's name. And I would encourage you to at least let them know that you're not okay with it. Oh, Jeff, I don't want to be a judgmental, whatever. When people use, use the name of your God in that way, it might be time to say something about that. So how do we misuse God's name? Definitely using it as a swear word. How about this in vain thing? What does it mean to take God's name in vain? Literally, it means to use it in an empty way or a nothing way or a worthless way. And I've heard people say, oh, I'm going to talk to the big man upstairs. Don't refer to God as the big man upstairs. That, that seems very empty. That seems very hollow. 
Uh, I've seen this particular bumper sticker and button on people. Check this out. You can laugh. It's cute. It's cute. Go ahead and laugh. Right, Jeff, am I allowed to laugh? Yes. Don't laugh at that. I kind of like it because I know Jesus became a human to relate with us, but I don't think Jesus became a human to relate like this. And if you take Jesus, who is the Alpha and Omega, and the one that died on the cross, and you do this with his image, I think that gets pretty close to having it be in vain. So when I say thou shalt not, number one, don't misuse God's name, and that should just permeate all of us. Raise our caution level on this one for sure. Number two, don't make false oaths. Don't use God's name to make some kind of a promise or an oath with other people. This is what it says in Leviticus 19. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely, I am the Lord. Hosea 10.4 says it this way, they spout empty words and make covenants they do not intend to keep. James 5.12 says it this way, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or on earth, or anything else. Just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Do you know what people do all the time? They say, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll get that delivered to you by Tuesday. I swear to God. I even know, like, saying out loud. They, they say, I swear to, and it's almost like a, hey, I'm telling you I'm going to do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swear. And you know what's interesting? I find that most of the time when people have to say that they have to swear to it's because they don't really plan on fulfilling the thing they just said they were going to do. And the Bible is real clear in this one. Thou shalt not make false oaths or even oath that you do intend to keep by invoking God's name. At the end of the day, that's a selfish purpose of using God's name. Don't do that. Number three on the thou shalt not list is declare false prophecies. Here's an intriguing one. It happened a lot in the Old Testament. Jeremiah Ooh, he did not like this. Jeremiah 23, I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night, and then they proceed to tell lies in my name. At the end of the day, that's just spiritual manipulation, telling that God told you something and that wasn't true. And the fourth one is pretty similar to that. That's when people play the God card. I've gone to people and I said, hey, what you're doing doesn't seem to be right. It doesn't seem to line up with God's will. Are you sure you're supposed to do that? Oh, yeah, Jeff, I've prayed about this. We prayed about this. We're going to do this because God said this is okay. And it's almost like they use the God said this is okay to do something that even they kind of know is wrong. They play the God card. I've seen people do this in politics. Oh, God wants that candidate to be elected. Be careful before you spout off what God says. Because if you do it inappropriately, I think you're playing the God card in a way that's not okay. Why is God's name so important? And let me just take you back. In the context of the Old Testament, some of you may know some of this. I'm going to show you a brief Bible project video. The name Yahweh, the name Jehovah, I am that I am. All of how the scribes wrote the name of God in the Old Testament, even how in the New Testament we have capital L-O-R-D. We've, we've taught some of that. This short Bible project video puts together everything about God's name. And when it's done, I'm going to ask you what stood out to you the most. Check this out. We're going to look at the second key word here. Lord, written in all capital letters, this is the personal name of Israel's God. 
We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them, Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word, Ehyeh, means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But it will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb, he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now this practice has been continued throughout the centuries. And so later, when people started translating the Bible into English, they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name, they translated it as Lord, spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, Y-H-W-H. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah. It's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is, the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or Master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases the Lord of all the earth or the Lord of lords. But behind all of these words, Yehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Hearing that backstory and Jehovah and Yahweh. And the question I have for you is, did the Old Testament scribes overdo it to try to protect and honor the holy name of God? And I don't, I don't think so. I think they were onto something that maybe you and I need to learn to, to elevate and to, to honor God's name in a new and more intentional way. So here's the phrase I'm going to put on the screen, and we're going to focus on this in the remaining of the time. Holy is His name. Holy is His name. I'm going to have you say that out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Holy is His name. My friends, I would love to have that become a mantra 
for us and a response to the Ten Commandments, not a thou shalt not, but in a positive way, understanding holy is his name. And I'm going to give you four specific challenges that I hope permeate our church. Number one, God's name equals God's character. God's name equals God's character. It's his branding. When you say Yahweh, when you say God of heaven, when you say Jesus, there is an instant word association or a branding that goes with that. And so we need to revere God's name because it represents and is part of our understanding of his character. Listen to Exodus 3, and it was on the video, but I want you to hear it. Literally, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, yeah, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Literally, this is the first time God revealed his name, revealed his character to Moses. Moses had not known it up to that point. Literally, Moses, I am Yahweh. The I am is who I am. Nice to meet you. And at this very moment, God reveals his name because he wants Moses and us to know his character, his branding, to understand who he is. A little later on, Exodus 34, listen to this. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord. And he describes his characters. He's saying, Moses, my name is Yahweh. Let me tell you about who I am. I am the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger. I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. And he goes on and on and on to describe his character. God's name is holy. Part of that is because God's name equals God's character. We would do well to know that reality. On the back of your notes, I go on to number two. God's name is holy, but God's name equals the relationship he has with his people. Somehow a name is how you and I relate to somebody. Let me explain. My wife's name is Heidi. The minute you say the word Heidi to me, the name Heidi to me, all kinds of things come to mind. All the experience we've shared, the, the covenant of our marriage, our kids, all, all of those things. The name Heidi is part of my relationship with her. And if you say Jeff and Heidi, then you're just, there's something powerful about that. A name is how we relate to people. A name is part of our relationship with people. And through the whole Old Testament, when they would use God's name, it was part of how they related to him. Listen to this from Psalm 8.1. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. When they called out his name, they, they worshiped. Do you know what Jesus said at the beginning of his prayer? Maybe you went by this, but listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your, say it out loud, name be kept holy. The first thing Jesus wants to teach his disciples about how to pray is, may your name, God, in our relationship with you, may your name be kept holy. There's a relational part of that that we want to honor God in that way. The NIV says, hallowed be your name. 
So holy is your name, it's God's character, it's relationship. And number three, God's name is salvation and healing. Folks, listen to these verses. This is Acts 4.12, Peter's teaching in Jerusalem, it's Pentecost. And Peter says this, let me clearly state to all of you and all the people of Israel that he, Jesus, was healed by the power, or this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says that the stone you builders rejected has now become a cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, there is salvation. It's the only name by which we may be saved, which raises the bar a little bit. If you're investigating faith and you hear about Buddha or hear about Allah or Muhammad, know that the Bible is very clear that the name of Jesus alone is where salvation and healing is found. Listen to this next verse, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Philippians calls the same thing out, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, listen to how this ends. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them what? In my name, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, the name of Jesus directly associated with salvation and healing. And the last one is the one I want just to settle on us perhaps the most today. And that is God's name on his people equals his reputation to the world. Do you know who the spokesperson is for Jesus in our modern day world? You and me. Do you know who the branding specialist is to the name Jesus in our modern day world? You and me. And it's not just New Testament, it's way back in the Old Testament. Ryan, would you read the passage from Ezekiel where God tells the Old Testament people that how they live equals the branding on his name? Then this further message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by the evil way they lived. To me, their conduct was as unclean as a woman's menstrual cloth. They polluted the land with murder and the worship of idols, so I poured out my fury on them. I scattered them to many lands to punish them for the evil way they had lived. But when they were scattered among the nations, they brought shame on my holy name. For the nations said, these are the people of the Lord, but he couldn't keep them safe in his own land. Then I was concerned for my holy name, on which my people brought shame among the nations. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. Pretty serious, huh? We bear his name. We are part of his reputation in the world. Second Chronicles is quoted a lot. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and restore their land. In our world, people think of Christianity by the Christians they know. And this is why Jesus was so upset when people didn't live what they spoke. Listen to this from Luke chapter 6. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Jesus found it incredulous that people would call him Lord and call themselves followers, but they wouldn't live that way. He went off in Matthew 15, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honored me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Folks, I wanted just to sit on God's holy word and have it impact us today, because holy is his name. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out because we saved this closing part of our time together to sing worship songs specially designed to evoke the holy name of God. But I'm going to give each of you very specific instructions about how I hope and you will apply what we've talked about today. Number one on the application side, be careful about how you use God's name. And if I haven't been clear about that, let the word of God be clear about that one. Be careful how you use God's name. In Proverbs, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Number two, use God's name to understand his character. And you need to know this. The holy God of heaven, Yahweh, Jesus Christ, is the one who's full of justice, holiness, and righteousness at the same time as grace, forgiveness, and love. So many times people extract part of God's character and say Jesus is all loving. Well, Jesus is also all justice. And you can't have one without the other. And so if you're going to use God's name, understand that the fullness of God's character is represented by his name. Number three is a specific invitation. If you haven't used Jesus' name to receive salvation, maybe today's the day. Maybe today, even during worship, is the time. I'm going to repeat it again. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And I'm just going to tell you, don't call out the name of Buddha. Don't call out the name of Muhammad or Allah. Call out the name of Jesus because he made it clear and scripture makes it clear. There is salvation in no other name than his. If you have never said the name Jesus right alongside of your name and said, Jesus, I need to have you come and redeem and save my life. I need the salvation that you offer in Scripture for me in my life. And today, this very day, I ask you to become the forgiver and healer of my life and become the director of my life from this point forward. You have not received salvation if you have not called out the name of Jesus. And one day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And maybe today is the day that you, even during this worship time or at the end with the prayer team, you make that move today. The last one is the one I told you I wanted to camp on. Number four, to live as one who bears his name. 
Jesus said this in John 13, your love for one another, Bridge Church disciples, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I'm going to ask you the same way that Jesus did. If you're going to wear the name tag that says, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, then live that way. If ever, ever there were a time in our culture, in our society, if ever there were a time when the honest, living, caring activity in in love of a Jesus follower in this world, if ever there were a time that the brightness of our light would shine brightly, it is in our dark world. People are sick of hypocritical people who call themselves Christians and are not. And so if you are called by my name, live as one who bears my name and let your love for one another prove to the world that you are my disciple. All right, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. We designed this closing worship time to be all about God's name. And I'd encourage you to use these songs to let your heart be drawn to the holiness, the worthiness of God's name. I'd also caution you not to sing something you don't mean. And so may these songs draw us literally before the throne of the Holy God of Heaven. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church in Portage, Michigan. For additional information, check out thebridgeportage.org or stop by and visit us.